Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. Um, I've got feedback on my end this morning, so I don't quite know why. We've checked out everything. So if you're getting feedback, I'm really sorry, because this is going to be a really important uh, episode of The Wise Why, because we are addressing the elephant in the room, neurodiversity. But as usual, the show is not about me. It is about my guests. So Simon, it's over to you. Welcome. Uh, well, thank you, Kirsty. Welcome. I'm sorry it's not my show, it's your show. Um, thank you so much for, for having me. It's been, uh, as you say, we've, uh, we've with a few technical glitches to start with, but it's, I think that's how all the best podcasts start, actually. Um, a few technical glitches and then actually everything else goes uh, really smoothly. But I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be here today. And uh, yeah, I mean, neurodiversity, it's, uh, it's a huge subject and I'm, I'm very intrigued as to where we're going to go today with this as well. <laughs> And honestly, I have no idea. What I'd like to start off with is talking about your own personal journey, because I think there's a lot of fear. I mean, labelling, if you if we think about it, and even as a neurodiverse person, I'm a bit uncomfortable with the word neurodiverse. So I will be honest. I like the word dyspraxia. I like the word dyslexia. But suddenly, I've been bundled into this new thing, and I find it a little bit uncomfortable because I feel like I'm being not labelled per se, but it's a new thing. And it's a bit like, oh, where do I fit? So I thought we'd start with your own, per well, a bit of my own personal journey, but also yours, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. And it's um, it's probably worth, as you say, getting getting rid of some of that myths before we even start talking about where we do, because you, you may well have just introduced a new word to... Uh, the vast majority of our listeners, you may have introduced the word neurodiverse. Now, what a lot of people will have noticed is the um, we're talking about embracing neurodiversity. Now, there is a very, very, not even a subtle difference, there's a huge difference between the term neurodiversity and neurodiverse, and yet it gets used almost in the same sentence. Neurodiversity means all of us, every single human being on the planet. It's the same as biodiversity, um, eco-diversity. So when we talk about neurodiversity, we are talking about everyone. It's the it's not even a spectrum. It's not an umbrella. It's everybody. When we go down a route, and probably you and I will start talking about neurodiverse and neurodivergent, because um, I have an issue with neurodivergent, but we'll talk about that. And we all, I think, we tried to do, we, not me, um, all the establishment society tried to do was look at a group of individuals who from birth are destined to think a little bit differently. And everybody thinks under neurodiversity. So why do certain individuals, as you talked about dyslexia there, maybe ADHD, um, we're talking about, we're, we're bringing our own personal uh, elements of thought process to this. And well, what, because we need to, to label everything, don't we? You know, there's a, uh, we've come, we're now in this culture of, we've got to be into, into a culture and a subculture and a sub-subculture. Um, but yeah, if you imagine that neurodiversity means everybody and neurodiverse means those who think differently under a subset of diagnosis. That's all we need to discuss for now. And as we go through today, um, more will emerge, I'm sure. Um, so my journey is, well, my journey started from birth. However, for the first 47 years of my life, I thought that everybody thought the way that I did. I thought that everybody had hundreds of tabs open in their head. 
I thought that everybody could just get up on stage and talk to 5,000 people. I thought that everybody could create a PowerPoint in five minutes and then present on it accurately. And then I realized at the age of 47, after a lot of probing and, and um, uh, suggestions from our neurodiversity director at the time, Shezzy Kennedy, who herself is a very uh, um, sort of uh, proponent of talking about her dyslexia and her, her autism, and she said to me one day, and we'd, we'd, been, we'd been about a year into the development of our neurodiversity in the workplace program, and Shezzy mentioned to me, are you ever going to get a diagnosis for your ADHD? And that's where my journey started. Even though I've been in and around neurodiverse individuals, um, dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADHD, Tourette syndrome all my life, um, with family members, with friends, I never thought it would apply to me. Because as we all know, uh, ADHD is caused by um, you know chemicals in, in what sits and um, playing on computer games. Another myth we're gonna completely burst open today. And I, I, I didn't apply it to me because it's a diagnosis, it's a disorder. We talk about you know, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And I'm thinking, I've not got a disorder because this, this makes me do things in a different way. This makes me, um, you know, be incredible in my perspective. And what I then found out was that actually, because it doesn't, disrupt my life it, it 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 has looking back really gone on a very rocky journey and i've i've disappointed i've upset i've let people down i've let myself down i've spent way too much money all of these things i just put down to being a bit unlucky or not really managing my time properly and now i actually think about it and look back on my 47 years previously and i start to realize that there's stuff that's impacted me and stuff that's happened in my life as a direct result of my neurological pathways being slightly different to other people when I was born. And that revelation has just been incredible. And it's helped me over the last three years as we've moved forward in the education of um, neurodiverse individuals, but also the education of everybody that actually we need to support everybody in society, those that think differently and those that think normally. Um, but Kirsty, I mean, your, your journey is even more incredible than mine. Well, I wouldn't say incredible. I think what I just want to bring in is people always, they, they go to this dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADHD, ADD, all the lists, but we also miss out like fads and uh, neonatal, uh, I can have said this morning. So that is a dyspraxic thing. I'm just going to put that out there. My dyspraxic mouth doesn't actually always say what my brain says, because my brain works really super quick, a bit like yours. Give me a PowerPoint, I'll bash it out in three seconds, and I'll get up there and I'll present. And what do you mean embarrassing in a room? <laughs> Go nail that. But now that's why I teach what, and, and coach what I do. But sometimes my mouth doesn't work. So if I want to say a word in the middle of a presentation, I have to go, and my mouth just doesn't physically work. That is a dyspraxic thing. So I got diagnosed at 37 and it, was a, it wasn't a shock. I'm gonna put it out there and I've written about this. It wasn't a shock. It was almost like a welcome relief. But what was a shock was to find out that although I always knew I was dyslexic, I had this thing called dyspraxia, which nobody ever talks about. And the dyspraxia can be at times limiting. Um, it also makes me exceptionally good at what I do. And I know there's a lot of people who hate it when other people use the word superpower. And I totally get that because if someone said to me, your dyslexia and your dyspraxia is your superpower, I'd be really, really annoyed. 
Me referring to it, however, where I say I'm good at what I do because I'm neuro, I'm not neurotypical. I And again, I can't see these words. So I'm going to just put that out there. We've got this combination of words, neurodivergent, neuro. I can't see the end of the words, everybody. So I can see the neuro bit, can't spell it, but I can see the neuro bit. But the other bit, all the diversity, the I can't see that. It's too long. It's it's still going in, 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 in and I can't catch up. And oh, do you know it's exhausting? But that's a bit. That's a little bit of an insight into my crazy brain. And I don't have ADHD. I do have dyspraxia. And it's really important because a lot of people go, "She's really hyperactive." No, I'm really focused. There's a difference. But back to you. <laughs> No, no, it's it's fascinating. And when we when we first met, um, uh, my goodness, nearly a month ago now, wasn't it? Sort of yeah. thing when we was there, and um, we had that in, initial conversation, which I think was going to be about twenty minutes, and ended up being an hour and a half. And uh, and it was, I, I do genuinely think because as I've gone on this journey, you you meet people and you interact with people. And I think you know fairly quickly if you're going to get on with that person, if that person is going to um, is going to fire all your cylinders, as you know, as you know, uh, we're not talking about that sort of like, you know, oxytocin first love type thing. But you think, you know, I'm going to get on with this person. And that was what when we when we had that conversation. And I've now realized more and more as we, uh, you know, and, we, and we've, we've trained, you know, like, like yourself, you know, coached thousands of people, we trained thousands of people um, to, to think differently about people that think differently. And what I've then started noticing is you look around your peer group, you look around your friends, and you think, oh, you know, no diagnosis there. And, and we don't, we don't make our own diagnosis up. But the way that you think is very similar to the way that I think. And if you're not thinking, you know, and if it's not an ADHD way of thinking, it's a dyslexic way of thinking. And if it's not a dyslexic, it's a dyspraxic. And what we're finding now, certainly when we do our instructor programs, is I would say as a minimum, three quarters, maybe maybe eight tenths of the instructors that come on the cohort are neurodiverse. And in in at least three or four of those individuals don't actually know it until they finish the uh finish the program so what you've got is you've got sort of people you might have been friends with for life um or a couple of years or whatever that looks like and then suddenly they come on this or they, or they, they, they suddenly look at some of the traits and they go and then you realize why you're friends with them and uh you know it's not that i've outed many you know many of my friends but i sort of secretly i know and especially when they go oh, i'm totally neurotypical and you think you're totally not but <laughs> you can't say that to someone someone's got to go on their own journey for that and but for me because i'm 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 undiagnosed and part of uh you know and people might go well how how can you say you've got adhd the biggest part of having adhd is procrastination <laughs> which means <laughs> i i can't actually spare the time to go through the the, the diagnosis um because it's not impacting me enough for me to spend the time to go through the diagnosis um i put lots of things in place now around time management around trying to be more prepared and i think that starts to to help i still have incredible time dysmorphia um this morning when i was preparing to come on here it's quarter to eight well i've got enough time to do this i've got enough then it's five past nine i just need to finish this email then it's quarter past nine and i'm suddenly Oh, now I've need the link to join Kirsty, and I'm just like you know. So, so time, 
for, for someone with, at least in my experience, um, the time just slips by. And then suddenly you're like, oh, and again, I think that can probably bring back to what you said, which is hyper focus. Because if I'm in that zone, I'm like, what do you mean you haven't had lunch? It's like seven hours ago, Simon. You're like, oh, I didn't notice. And it's like, yeah. So for me, at least, I'm, uh, I'm, I will eventually, potentially, maybe, um, another great sort of quote from an ADHD person is, I, if I get the time, I'm then maybe look at a diagnosis and only for the fact that it may give me some insight into what else I might be able to use to support me. Because I make lots of recommendations on how to support other people. It's really difficult to take support yourself, isn't it? It is. And I think that's a really good thing because I got officially diagnosed at 37, uh, partly. And, and if you read the blog, I received an essay back that I thought was brilliant. I was so proud of this essay. You know, I studied musical theatre. I knew my musical history. And I'd written down a sentence, and this sentence I always talk about, which was the smile, the, the words are the smile of the hypothesis, the square of the, no, the square of the hypothesis is what the, the word is from the, the line is from HMS Pinafore. And I had written the smile of the hippopotamus. So what people don't realize sometimes is with the word blindness, I'm gonna use word blindness, is you learn by shapes and length. So I don't read the way that somebody else reads, which is why I am reliant on the tools which are now available, I thank goodness they are. So my handwriting is pretty bad. I don't finish off the ends of my words. So if you look at a G written from me, you're like, what has she written? Um, but actually I read the shape and that shape is really important. Um, and I can't remember, the revelation came in when I was in my first marriage and we were driving somewhere and I said, oh yeah, that's such and such. And my husband, my husband at the time, um, Alec went, no, it's not, that's this. And I went, no, it's not, it's that. And he went, nah, you've just read the shape. You've just read the shape. Then I got, I left that marriage and then I got diagnosed, as I said, going through university. And I got my essay back that I was really proud of, covered in red pen. And I mean covered. Now I'm really, the tools that I use, and I really want to put that out there, and this is why we're having this open conversation. I use AI, I use Grammarly, and I'm going to say I have to really check the Grammarly, because sometimes Grammarly really gets it wrong, and you cannot just be reliant on it. But if I read something, I can't see my mistakes, so I leave it, then I go away, and then I come back. And it's that going away and coming back that helps me able to be one, I get really good. I mean, look at my social media. I'm really proud of it. But look at my blogging. You know, I'm a dyslexic blogger. But it's there. And it, there are tools that you can use. And, and, you know, I was lucky, as I said, at 37 to find out doing my degree. Then I got extra help, extra time. That extra time was not about um, getting extra time to do the exam or write the, the paper. The extra time was to allow me to get my thoughts in the order. And I will say going back to university at 37 was the best decision I ever made because I wasn't taught grammar and suddenly I had to learn grammar. So there was a, you going back to uni was one of the best decisions I made, even though it was the hardest decision. It was the best decision because it formulated my brain for business, if that makes sense. Oh, completely. And what's fascinating listening to you speak about that as well. So our, our new diversity director, Shezi, she um when we first started out, you know, there was only the two of us, you know, we've grown, we've grown a bit since then. But, um, and so we were, we were basically taking on the various different roles within uh, building up Thrive. 
And uh, Shezzy was, and, and, and this made her chuckle every time, because she said, well, what's my job title then? And, and at that time, she was doing a lot of podcast editing. Um, she was doing a lot of our social media. And I said, so you're basically a communications director. And she was like, it's great, because someone that struggled for 25 years to communicate is now the communications director. And what went, you know, <laughs> there were some things that went out. And um, the, you know, the, the, the on social media, and we look back at it and we laugh now. But at the time, it's like, oh, Shez, um, you know, you've spelt such and such wrong. But actually, what that made us was human. It made us that that we had, um, you know, we were real. And there's a, um, and, and Shezzy's, uh, Shezzy's un unfortunately left uh, Fried now. But what we've, um, but I keep finding on little documents and little, little Shezisms. And, you know, it's not bad spelling it's just actually well I, I know how to say that word um and the english language is so difficult you talk about grammar and you know preposition and all, all of that sort of stuff and so yeah and, and a favorite one of mine and i've not changed it anywhere yet is great is jewel and you think not jewel as in j-e-w-e-l you know the, the the brooch and it's not jewel as in fighting it's dual as in two. So, and you, you know, we've got three, three different spellings. On, and you think, hold on, not only is someone neurotypical meant to get this, but I'm, I'm hearing these words. And, and me and my wife were, uh, were driving, we're in our mid, mid late thirties at this time. And we listen on the, uh, on the radio and someone said hyperbole. And we're like, I wonder what that means. We've never heard of that. I wonder if that's something like hyperbole. And we'd both gone through our life with the words, say in H-Y-P-E-R-B-O-L-E, -E, um, as hyperbole. And suddenly everyone in the world actually calls it hyperbole. And we're like, why? Why? And then if you're sort of, you know, if you are student, like yourself sort of struggling, why are you meant to get it? And I totally understand that extra time. My, my son is dyslexic. And you're right. It's not, you know, people think, oh, giving a bit of a let, get an extra. It's like... I've, I've got to read it. I've got to understand it. I maybe have to hear it from someone. And then I've got to articulate that answer back and do this all the time under a sort of strict exam pressures. So um, I, I, while I don't understand your, your pain, Kirsty, I, I feel it because, uh, you know, having, having been in that space, it's, um, it must be so frustrating. I think it's really, I think that's what people don't realise. They just, they think, and I don't mean people don't realise, you know, I can remember a guy, Dan England, unfortunately he's died now, who joined me in an old job. And I remember him saying he'd been diagnosed with ADHD. And at the time, and we're going back 10, 15 years, nobody really knew what it was. And we knew he was really super bright, but his organisation was all, all over the, the place. Um, but actually his organisation wasn't all over the place. It was all over the place for everybody else. But actually, as I got to know him, and I really, really liked Dan, I really did, I realised he was one of the most organised people you'd ever met because he absolutely had everything in place and totally organised in his brain, and it made sense. And once you understood his structure and his setting, oh, my God, the guy was a genius. But because other people didn't understand him, and that brings me on to where I really want to talk about it because... Thrive is so important 
And I genuinely mean your company is so important to help people understand neurodiversity, let me see if I've got the right one, uh, in the workplace. And I'd really like to talk about that for a minute because what you're doing is, uh, well, thank you is what I'm going to say. Oh, that's really nice to hear. It's um, it's very. I mean, as 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 a, I guess as a human, not. I was going to say as a, you know, as 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 an English person. Or I don't. I don't hate that term. I'm European. Um, as a um, uh, it's very hard for us to to take that praise, and um, it's lovely when it's and it's and it's genuine and it's given in that way. And still, I I've, I had little sort of goosebumps then of like because it is still so difficult because we look back. And we think all we've all we've done is we put something in place that was needed, and we and and yes, we've spent a lot of time on it. Yes, we've tried to make it as perfect as can be, another ADHD trait, perfectionism. Um, yes, we've tried to make it as accessible as possible, but ultimately we we don't know if it's resonating we don't know if it's if it's hitting the spot, and then we get lovely comments like that, and we get our testimonials come back. And, you know, someone said to me the other day, you must look back, and I will talk about what it is, um, but you must look back with, with pride and honour. And, and I think, do you know what, I, I haven't yet. I've, you know, and going back to that beginning, I mean, Thrive, we, um, the, the concept of Thrive came around in 2019. Um, and then we started in January 2020, two months before COVID hit, and we were a face-to-face -face training company. So you can imagine that sort of impact. Um, so we're, we're four years old now, actually four years old, which is fantastic. Uh, most small businesses fail within the first three years or something. So we're, we're still here. We're still fighting. And we were originally created, it was originally just me, and we were originally created with the mission statement, the value, the tagline, however you want to view it, as helping one person at a time. Now, it just happened that thrive which is i'm not even going to get i don't know if it's a noun an adjective a verb it's it's something um which makes it really hard to get search engine optimization because it's a word um but we wanted we felt this was what we wanted people to do we wanted one person at a time to thrive and that actually stemmed from my depression in 2016 and i've done a ted talk on that i know we've talked about that um big boys do cry which is i'm really really proud of and what that meant for me was that I realized that if I'd have had some mental health first aid training at that point, um, I may not have gone down the depression route that I went down. It wasn't something that was talked about. I was a senior VP in, in the IT space, and it wasn't talked about. And so selfishly, I said, if I could help me, wow, wouldn't that be brilliant? Because then I would, I would be okay. And then I thought there must be hundreds of me's, thousands of me's, millions of me's, not looking like me, of course, um, but millions of me that would that would need this support. So we started out, first of all, mental health first aid training. And Shezzy was running a, uh, a, a company called AIW, and she was talking, she was really autism support, both um, virtual and physical. And she'd been doing this about three or four years. And the problem with COVID was all of the school lost its funding and no one was in. So suddenly everything sort of fell in on Shezzy's world. And about early 2021, she sort of, we, we were talking because we were friends um, prior to that. And she was talking and she said, I wonder what we can do with this uh, workshop that I created. And it was called Living in a Neurodiverse World. And I said, this is fantastic. This is educating people about what you've been talking about, autism and dyslexia, and how important it is to make reasonable adjustments in the workplace. 
And I said to Shez, well, why don't you, you know, come into the five family and what we'll do is we'll see if we can tweak and, you know, and, and, and maybe um, make it a little bit more corporate, you know, because we've got to go back into um, corporations effectively to, to, to make the impact. And, uh, and, and that was it. That was where we were born. And we we put a lot of information together, and we put a lot of uh, a lot of thought, time, blood, sweat, and tears, as, as as you normally normally do. And we were really lucky to have a really amazing customer at that time called Babcock. We still do work with Babcock, and one of their customers was London Fire Brigade. And so we worked together to build out this program, which is eventually has has turned into our um, aware webinar and our champion workshop, and. What that meant for us was the validation that this actually works. And London Fire Brigade and, and Babcock were so impressed with the results that we actually went in and delivered a trainer trainer for them. So that trainer trainer happened in uh, 2022, in, the, in, in March, April 2022. And we then started to sort of put a bit more commercialization around it in terms of what's it going to look like what's it what's it what's the messages the learning outcomes and fast forward to the end of 2022 we worked with an amazing partner of ours green cross global and green cross global has some very high mark organizations that they work with including coca-cola and what we were then able to do is with green cross global we were then able to go in and educate and work with with coca-cola to deliver this game-changing um uh program of work in order to educate all of their managers and that is still ongoing we're still we're still here but what that gave us was that the i guess the intent that these large organizations global organizations and we worked with a few more subsequently really need this type of education really need this type of um uh, of of um uh, awareness in their in their organization and as diversity, equality, inclusion, and belonging becomes a much bigger buzzword, we're seeing we've done we've done sexual equality. Well, we haven't done it anywhere near, but we we've, we've a lot of companies are focused on it. They're focused on racial equality, LGBT plus, gender bias, all of these things, menopause, mental health, and the one thing they've missed is neurodiversity. That fifteen percent diagnosed individuals in the UK, and so what we're seeing now is that sort of that that uptake. And what that meant was that we couldn't do it anymore alone with our little training team. There was five of us at the time. And so we then developed an instructor partner program. And that's what we put in place last March. Um, it's, a, it's nearly uh, a year old. I think on the 8th of March, it's a year old. And we're so proud of that. We've trained 45 instructor partners. So that's 45 um, trained, facilitated, um, excellent, amazing individuals from Australia, to the US, uh, we've got someone from the Philippines joining us. So we are truly a global um, uh, operation now, and that's just fantastic. Our next cohort is in London. Um, we're actually partnering with Mind, Mind in Haringey, uh, and we've got we've got a few spaces left. So if anyone does want to uh, fancy becoming an instructor partner, delivering neurodiversity in the workplace training, um, it's yeah. We I'm, I am so proud, uh, and, and to hear someone like you, Kirsty, who's an amazing advocate and uh, you know and um, thought leader in this space, to, to say thank you, and um, that means a lot to me. So thank you. No, oh, honestly, um, as soon as 
Kayla Hall said we had to talk, me and talk. I was like, yep, absolutely. So we've got some lovely comments. We've got all oh, two people in my net, network who I didn't, who didn't know each other. That's, I don't know who you are because it's got LinkedIn uh, user. So it's really, really, really upsetting. And it says six degrees of separation. I can't thank you enough. Um, I think there are thousands of questions that we could try and answer in a really short space of time. What I'd love to know is, we, we know that your your child is dyslexic. We know that that's fired you on. Who along the way, apart from Chesi, has been your, I hope I got that name right, because there you go, that's that's not dyslexic, but dyspraxic, is it? Worrying about getting the name wrong because I haven't seen it because I can't spell it, so I'm not sure. And in my head, I'm going, ch e z e is that the right phonics? But this is what we deal with. And I, this is what I wanted to put out there is, for me to know someone's name, I have to spell it. If I can't spell it, I won't remember it. And even if I can spell it, if I can't work it out, I probably will never say it correctly. Poor Zyra, 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 hack. Known you since I was 15, still struggling. Um, you know, I'm 53 now, or almost, and I still can't say her name. And that's living every single day with a learning, not, I don't like the word disability, but a learning, I'm not going to use superpower, but a learning complexity. I'll try that one this morning. Um, who has been your biggest champion of you? It's oh, and and it's now going to be that roll call of um, of, of the incredible people because we we have worked with some amazing, incredible people um, along the way. Um, as I mentioned earlier, sort of Green Cross Global. So Ross Abbott over there, I, I cannot thank him enough. Um, a, a dear friend as well as a as a huge proponent of what we've done. Um, obviously, you know, our, our aim is to be um, not a training company, but a training provider. So very similar in the, in the vein of MHFA England is for mental health first aid. Five, we want five to be known for um, neurodiversity in the workplace training. Uh, and Ross has been a huge proponent from the very, very start. Um, my wife, Kelly, of course, um, you know, is, is my business partner and has been, uh, you know, our operations director and just, you know, every day pushes me forward and, and and does extra things. And then we've got the team, you know, I had a greater team around me. So we've got Rob and Lucy over at LEH, who are our, uh, our design team, our copywriters. Any words that you ever see come out of five are, are from the, the pen uh, or the typewriter uh, of Rob Hill, just one of the best copywriters I've ever worked with. Um, we've got Sophie Neal over on our uh, on our social media, um, uh, um, uh, Sophie, etc. And just again, um, an individual. And we were spent to be meeting this afternoon, but Sophie's a bit poorly, so we're we're moving that forward next week. And the logo, the five logo that you see everywhere, um, hopefully, and seeing it in, in more places. Um, ben um, Kilner and uh, Emily Barnard of Oomph are just again our huge, huge supporters in everything we do, and um, the wonderful Kayla. I cannot. I can't. Kayla is the only reason. Not only is she incredible, the only reason we, you and I are talking, Kirsty, um, but Kayla is the only reason that we have the program in place in the automated way that we do. Um, any every time you book on to a course, anytime you're on a cohort, um, the back end is is absolutely nailed on by uh, by Kayla. 
Um, and then we've got, um, that's sort of the direct team. And then we've got our wonderful trainers who've been as from, with us from the start. Uh, Joni Ray Carrot, we've got Rachel Toesland, we've got Mo Berry, uh, we've got Sue Garner. Uh, all of these individuals have, have been just incredible trainers, incredible facilitators, and supporting us above and beyond. Um, and I think that's really important because we often talk about, when I'm doing some wellbeing days and stuff, we talk about discretionary effort. And discretionary effort is that, that gift that you can never ask for. It's what we want to do. We want to, it's called going the extra mile. It's putting yourself out there. And, and I don't just mean financially. It's about the effort, the energy levels that go in. And then there's two other people I'm going to, because I'm going to tag them all when, when this recording comes out, um, is the amazing Ben Miller. Uh, and Ben Miller is just, uh, he's, a, he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, and he's, he, he basically runs retail for the world, I think. He works for a company called Shop Talk. And um, he's just been the, the silent supporter. He's been behind everything we've done, um, never really puts itself in the spotlight. Um, and, you know, not, not at de detriment to his day job in the slightest, but he's just been there from that support. And lastly, Nigel Clark. Nigel Clark is one of our, um, uh, our mental health and neurodiversity ambassadors. Uh, we have a, a suite of ambassadors and um, Alex Gorg is another one. Um, Elliot Brown is another one. And they just work tirelessly in the background, sharing blog posts, sharing uh, all of our LinkedIn content and just generally sort of putting us in touch with people. Um, so yeah, but really it's our delegates, it's our instructor partners, it's anyone who's ever come on one of our courses to make a difference, because you're the important ones, you know, you're the only reason we do it for. And, you know, the, the aha moments, the wake up moments, we've had people in tears because it's the first time in 55 years they've spoken to someone about their dyslexia. We've had some, you know, people come up back to us afterwards and I got my ADHD diagnosis after listening to your one hour webinar. I mean, that's just fantastic to have that sort of level of feedback. Um, so all I can say is, is thank you to those people who have really sort of pushed us through um, the last four years. And, um, and thanks to people like you, Kirsty, that are taking us to the next step now and, and having us on these incredible podcasts. Um, I'm so proud of you. I really am. We've just got a lovely comment in from Hayley who says, wow, what a fantastic podcast. And I do think I need to discuss this with my daughter uh, who would like, like you, who like you, I believe, uh, work around their unique isms. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Hayley, have a read of the blog that I wrote because that's my unique isms. Um, I put it out there because we're facing the same thing with our little ones. So I want, and I've read it to her and yeah, she's a little, she's a little tiny little one. And she went, mommy, I do that. Mommy, I do that. So my blog is there for anyone deliberately who might think that they've got something, they've got an idiom, or they've got whatever they want to call it, a complexity, whatever the word is that they're comfortable using. And I'm gonna really push that one home. Whatever word you're comfortable using matters because it's you and only you. Um, and I get really, nobody can tell you on your this journey, you've got to step, step on it and take it baby steps by baby steps to find out where you are and who you are, because it is personal. And you know, the, the crying, the breaking down, I call it my dyslexic meltdown. I've now watched my daughter do exactly the same thing. It's heartbreaking. But you know, there are people like Simon who are here to catch you and me too. So you're not alone. Simon, is there any parting thought that you'd like to give? The, I mean, um, and based on that, what we what we sometimes see and understand is that um, 
someone will come on the course or someone will just talk to me personally and they'll go we, we um, you know very very similar to a lot of people and, and and Haley as well is that you know our children are, are going for a journey you know and that journey takes so long and we're so sorry for that you know but um we're hoping that the ADHD diagnosis and the dyslexia diagnosis actually start to speed up and what we're seeing is that we say, oh, my, you know, my son has got this and my, my, well, my sister is, and um, but I'm normal. And you sort of, when you start to think around that level of geneticism that, that is associated with neurodiverse um, differences, um, you sort of, you, you, you do get another aha moment, which is, so my, my dad was like that, my, my daughter's like that. And is there a, no, 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 I can't be. And so you then get, and then what you, the realization is that however old you are, when you have that sort of aha moment of your, your children and your, your parents, and you go, do you know what? I've lived with 45 years or 37 years or 52 years or whatever that looks like. And I've been masking the hell out of my uniqueisms. And uh, I think what we, what we're allowing is for that future generation, hopefully, um, Haley's um, wonderful daughter there to by the time they get to work which used to be a place of derision it used to be a place of subjugation and um, fear is that actually Haley's daughter can be herself and she can say right I need a reasonable adjustment I need a I need a, a desk that rises up I need a I need a quiet space to go and um, you know stop the overwhelm and I just think hopefully one person at a time we can actually make those workplaces more accommodating for the for the generation that's growing up now to not have to have the struggles that we had and not have to mask. Uh, we're seeing a difference in schools already, but we need that in the workplace as well. Brilliant. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you.